Hello, and welcome to The Signal, Workplace NL's health and safety podcast. Workplace NL is the Workers' Compensation Board in Newfoundland and Labrador, Canada. The focus is to promote safe and healthy workplaces, provide return-to-work programs, and offer compensation to injured workers and their dependents. This series of podcasts will provide you with the latest information on how workplaces can protect the health and safety of workers. Please enjoy the show. Today's episode contains sensitive subject matter. Please be advised there are moments that may be difficult for some audiences to hear. I'm your host, Colin Fuhr, Occupational Health and Safety Consultant with Workplace NL. And today we're going to talk about the National Day of Mourning and hear firsthand the impact of a workplace fatality on those left behind. Marked annually in Canada on April 28th, the National Day of Mourning is dedicated to remembering those who have lost their lives or suffered injury or illness on the job due to a work-related tragedy. The National Day of Mourning is not only a day to remember and honor those lives lost or injured due to our workplace tragedy, but also a day to collectively renew our commitment to improve health and safety in the workplace and prevent further injuries, illnesses, and deaths. The most recent statistics from the Association of Workers' Compensation Boards of Canada tell us that in 2019, 925 workplace fatalities were recorded in Canada. Among these deaths were 29 young workers aged 15 to 24. And it's not just these numbers on which we need to reflect. With each worker tragedy, there are loved ones, family members, friends, and co-workers who are directly affected and left behind and deeply impacted. That brings me to our guest today, Alex Tuff, a health and safety advisor here at Workplace NL, whose life, unfortunately, has been forever changed as a result of a workplace fatality. Welcome to The Signal, Alex. Thanks, Colin. Being here today is bittersweet, really. No one wants to have to go through what my family and I have gone through since the loss of my brother. But I am happy to be here today to talk about Chris, to to raise awareness on the importance of workplace health and safety, and to talk about an organization that has helped me along my journey of healing and grief. Thanks, Alex, for being willing to share your story with us today. Why don't you start by telling us a little bit about your brother? Chris was 24 when he was in the early stages of his career as a welder with a local company. He had these big blue eyes that accompanied his loud laugh, and he was always so quick to catch someone mess up so he could make you laugh. He was faithful, purposeful, and loyal. He laughed with his friends, and he cried with his friends. And he was always there for them, no matter when they needed him or what they needed him for. In simple terms... Chris was an awesome friend, son, and brother. I know Chris was killed in a confined space incident on August 3rd, 2013. To highlight the importance of workplace health and safety, I think it's important for you to talk about what happened that tragic day. As I mentioned, Chris was working for a local welding company who had picked up a contract in Labrador. With the high cost of travel to Labrador, Chris and his co-workers didn't come home on their days off, but rather stayed up there to pick up other jobs. This was the case when him and his supervisor were eating lunch in the work truck and they were approached by a local company in Happy Valley Goose Bay to conduct a quick job. The local company wanted them to return the following day, which involved Chris entering a diesel tank, which was attached to the truck, the type of vehicle that would be used to refuel aircraft. 
Upon showing up that day, representatives from the local organization informed Chris that the tank had been cleaned the previous day by internal employees using a steam pressure cleaning washer for approximately 15 minutes through an access hole in the top. As per the agreed statement of facts, the cleaning of the tank was conducted at the local company's garage. Both local companies who cleaned the tank reported the small, strong smell of diesel fumes during the cleaning process, but chose not to wear respiratory protection. They were also on top of the tank without a proper fall arrest system in place. The job Chris performed involved him entering the diesel tank to remove double wall baffles, which is a device used to restrain the flow of fluid, gas, or loose material to separate compartments that could contain different fuels. Many of these tanks have the ability to house various fuels. For this reason, these baffles are double walled should a crack occur in one side of the baffle, causing it to mix with another product. A ladder was used to allow access to the fuel tank and to bring their equipment on top of that tank. Chris, who was not trained in confined space entry, entered the tank via the ladder, which was then removed to allow additional room to work in the tank. The last thing Chris asked his supervisor was whether or not the plasma cutter had been grounded. The cutter was being operated in contrary to the manufacturer's specifications. It was used in a confined space with no forced air ventilation and without adequate personal protective equipment being worn. Chris was also not wearing a welding helmet. There was no permit, rescue plan, or appropriate gas testing completed. I say appropriate because his direct supervisor smelled the space with his nose and determined it was safe to enter. Chris entered the tank and began to cut into the double wall baffle with the plasma cutter and it's at that exact very moment an explosion occurred within the diesel tank. Immense pressure built up and forced the baffles to blow out towards Chris, fatally injuring him. Both supervisors were thrown from the top of the tank by the explosion as neither of them were wearing appropriate fall arrest equipment. Chris, extremed, Chris received extreme head and chest injuries to his body and a forced cremation was ordered by the chief medical examiner. That's absolutely tragic, Alex. Just for clarity for listeners who may not be aware, can you explain the baffles inside the tank? Yeah, sure thing. The, the baffles which are located inside these tanks, they have voids between them. And without proper cleaning, vapors may be present due to the fact that some metals are porous and will absorb fluid over time. For those who perform this type of work on a regular basis or perform work in confined spaces often, this would be referred to as trapped gas, something that could or should have been identified during the pre-job hazard assessment. To appropriately clean the baffles, you would remove a small plug at the bottom of the baffle and attach a pressure washer. I noticed you mentioned things that weren't done or equipment that wasn't worn. So from a legislated safety perspective, what was required to perform this type of work? There's a whole section in our provincial OHS regulations that outline the precautions that must be taken when working in confined spaces. Mandatory training, a hazard assessment, respiratory protection, hazard-specific personal protective equipment, proper ventilation, appropriate cleaning of the tank, atmospheric testing, a permit, a rescue plan, appropriate means of access and egress, safe job procedures, and that's just to name a few, Colin. This type of work is high risk. There are many hazards and therefore many controls required to ensure it is done safely. 
There's no doubt that performing hot work inside a confined space, particularly one that had previously contained diesel fuel, would have required careful planning and consideration of the hazards and the required controls. Chris lost his life because not all precautions were taken. How has losing Chris changed your life, Alex? I think the better question here, Colin, is might be, you know, how it has not changed my life. For, for those left behind, workplace fatalities forever change you. When I was first told that Chris had died, I was in absolute utter shock. It's like someone was to drive a knife in my chest and did more damage by hauling it out. To this day, when I close my eyes, all I can picture is the thought of my mom pounding on my father's chest as she struggled to catch a breath. I swear she must have said, my baby, my baby, my baby is dead, a good 20 times before calming down. Even to this day, I can see a visible change in my parents when Chris's name gets brought up. Our family had been a four-legged table and one leg was torn off. I struggled to find the balance. The inability of physically not being able to see a loved one after they pass can really eat away at a person's well-being. The last time I saw my brother, he was dead in a plywood box that had, had just been shipped down via Air Canada and delivered to the funeral home. Shipping labels attached fastened down with screws and the word fragile stamped over it with little pieces of polyethylene poking out. My life feels incomplete without Chris. I cry for the, the nephews and nieces I will never have. I, I cry for my own children who, who will never know my brother, their uncle. Some days waking up is a physical chore. And then there's this emotional suffering associated with grief. The, the depression the anxiety, the suicidal tendencies, the crying yourself to sleep at night, and other stress-related ailments. And of course, the feeling like the phone is going to ring or someone's going to pinch you, causing you to wake up from this horrible nightmare. For me, the adage of time heals all wounds doesn't ring through. Time doesn't heal. You learn to live with it. One of the worst pressures was thinking that by a certain date, I should be healed. Time lessens the sting, but for the griever, it's almost a prison sentence without parole. There's no light at the end of the tunnel, and it doesn't get better when those responsible have, have paid their dues or, or served their time, even. You just have to get up each morning and find the strength to get through the day. I learn to control my emotions and allow myself to feel the loss for as long as necessary. But you see, that's the little thing with grief. It sneaks up on you. One day you feel like you can master the world and the next the sky is falling around you. And that's okay. I was 18 that day and now I exceed the age of Chris when he passed. In the normal course of events, older siblings tend to do all life's milestones first. The car, the home, the marriage, the children. A certain level of guilt sets in for me when I realize that I'm enjoying a privilege that Chris didn't live long enough to enjoy. No matter how much more I achieve, I'll always have the memories of my brother, the missing part of my life. And I'm sure it's those memories of Chris that help you deal with losing him. Alex, given your job title, I can't help but assume that losing Chris to a workplace fatality influenced your career choice. It absolutely did. 
I believe it's both a blessing and a curse having the ability to understand the Occupational Health and Safety Act and regulations and knowing what should have been done that day. You can only imagine how this incident is constantly plays over and over in my head with me thinking, what if I had this knowledge back then and, and could I have done anything to make Chris more aware? Would constantly reminding my brother to work safe have helped? On the positive side, I get the pleasure of, of sharing a passion for workplace safety with an incredible group of people who share the same vision of ending workplace injuries, fatalities, and occupational diseases. I think it's great that you could turn such a tragic loss into something that could benefit so many here in this province, both workers and their families. At the start of the podcast, you mentioned an organization that has helped you on a journey of grief and healing. Tell us a little more about that. The past few years have been pretty difficult trying to find the new normal. It's rough living day to day without my brother. However, there's one organization that helped me cope by providing the support my family needs. This organization is the reason I feel strong and confident enough to share my story. Threads of Life is a national charitable organization dedicated to supporting families along their journey of healing who have suffered from a workplace fatality, a life-altering injury, or an occupational disease. Each worker and family member who has been affected by a workplace tragedy is a thread in the quilt of life. Each thread, by itself, cannot stand alone, but when woven together provides strength. Although we are individuals, we are also connected in the fabric of life. At odds, at, as odd as it sounds, Threads of Life is a club that doesn't want any more members, but will gladly welcome them if they find themselves facing a heartbreaking loss. Wow, like you said, it's not a club anyone wants to join, but what an amazing organization for those people who could use a safe place to land following a workplace fatality. They do some amazing work. So how can people get involved locally? Every year, Threads of Life hosts its flagship fundraiser, Steps for Life. Steps for Life is traditionally a five-kilometer walk that aims to educate the community about the devastating ripple effects of each workplace tragedy and how we can work together to prevent others being injured or killed in the job. Everyone can participate in the walk. Families, friends, colleagues of those affected by workplace tragedy, teams from injury, prevention organizations, labor, business, and even the general public can participate. This year on Sunday, May 1st, 2022, Steps for Life 2022 will be an online event. But what's really exciting about an online Steps for Life 2022 is the versatility. Plan your own walk with your household or in any manner that respects the local public health guidelines. Safety is always first with Steps for Life. Listeners can find more information at www.threadsoflife.ca. Alex, I want to thank you for sharing your story with us here today. I have no doubt that Chris would be extremely proud of you and the person that you have become. Your ability to share your story is admirable. Rest assured, if you inspire even one employer to provide a safe workplace, one supervisor to ensure the safety of the workers under their direction, or one worker to work safer, you have contributed to reducing the number of workplace injuries, fatalities, and occupational diseases. Thanks, Colin. As much as I enjoyed being here today, I wish it wasn't my story, or anyone's for that matter, but it is an important story to tell. Absolutely, Alex. I think the overall message to take away from today's podcast is the impacts of a workplace fatality are far-reaching. 
I challenge you to use the National Day of Mourning to collectively renew your commitment to improve health and safety in your workplace, to prevent injuries, illnesses, and deaths. Thank you for joining us today. Transcripts are available to use in your workplace to increase workers' knowledge in various occupational health and safety topics. Visit WorkplaceNL.ca for more information on the services we provide to workplaces. Feel free to share the signal on social media to improve workplace health and safety everywhere. Thank you, and have a safe and healthy day.